This podcast is brought to you by Retro Instruments, makers of the Stay Level, Power Strip, and 176 Limiting Amp. Retro Instruments, vintage design for modern recording. Learn more at retroinstruments.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. Producer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist Greg Kirsten has worked with a staggering list of top artists, including Adele, Pink, Paul McCartney, The Foo Fighters, Sia, Beck, and many more. For this episode, Jeff Stanfield chatted with Greg specifically about his recent work producing Greta Van Fleet's latest release, The Battle at Garden's Gate. Enjoy. Thanks for being here. Uh, we're, we're here to talk about Greta Van Fleet's new record, The Battle at Garden's Gate. And um, maybe we could just start with you telling me how you came to work with the band. I guess it was brought to my attention that um, that they might have wanted to work with me. I'm trying to remember this. I think they um, uh, we had just sort of talked to the manager and then there was a meeting set up. And I was a fan of the band. I was, you know, aware of them and I was, you know, very excited to take a meeting with them. So um, they came to my old studio and then we just had a meeting and was kind of talked about stuff. And I remember, you know, Sam saw my Mellotron and we just from there just started to geek out about keyboards and, and it was, yeah, it was a really fun meeting. I mean, they're great guys and I was really excited to work with them. And so that was the beginning of the whole thing. I'm curious, like what they wanted to get out of coming to work with a producer outside of their, you know, somebody that somebody knew and, and, um, you know, they have such a classic sound. I was curious what their calculation coming, you know, were they looking for something new? Were they looking to expand on the sound? Were they looking for a new approach to the songs? Yeah. I mean, in our first conversation, I was, made aware that they wanted to expand the sound, you know, and I think we started talking about, you know, uh, we started talking about music. I can't remember specifically. Um, I might've asked them like what they were listening to and stuff like that. But what I came, what I got from that meeting coming out of it was just that they really wanted to have this expansive cinematic element to their music. You know, they wanted to make it just sound bigger and, and, um, and I think that was sort of the idea and that got me going. I mean, that definitely got my brain working and like, how can I do that for them? You know, I think they, it wasn't, you know, I mean, I think the thing is, and sometimes I sort of read, you know, you go on the internet and I sort of read, you know, what people might think or expect working with someone like me. Cause I'm, you know, obviously have a lot of pop records out and stuff like that. And I'm like a song pop song guy too, even though, I mean, people who know me know that, you know, my, history is a lot i have a lot of different things that i was gotten into over the years but anyways so yeah that was sort of probably what you maybe the label would have thought on paper or something like that like oh now they're going to sort of refine their songs into some sort of pop sort of thing and that was not my plan at all you know i was my my first thing that i got out of it was sonically like how can i do this you know and and i love sounds and creating sounds and when they thought about this, you know, expanding their sound into something kind of cinematic, I thought, well, that would be really cool to try to do that. And, and I love arranging and stuff like that too. So I was thinking maybe, we, you know, that's something we can get into strings and 
also sonically getting into some different things that maybe they haven't explored yet. You talked about asking them what they were listening to. And I always think that's such an important part of making a record and who you're making a record with is, you know, are we all on the same page and do we have some sort of sonic references that we can communicate with to get to where we want to go in some sort of expedient manner. What were they listening to? I mean, I put this record on and, you know, I've been a fan. I had, I got turned on to this record, you know, with their first record by a friend of mine who was like, check this out. And, um, I was like, oh, cool. It's a new Led Zeppelin record. You know, it's awesome. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, I put this new record on sort of expecting maybe that I would hear some of that. And the first thing that I heard was Getty Lee and Rush and sort of like 2112 era or like fly by night. And, you know, I hear these references throughout mm -hmm. the record. So, you know, what were they listening to and what were they referencing? Yeah. Well, I mean, I do love me some 2112. I mean, <laughs> I got to say, I'm probably will say that, but I am. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we didn't talk about Rush actually in that first meeting, but, <laughs> but what I did really um, love about them is just how open-minded they were in the wide range of music that they did listen to, because I did hear a lot of sort of film music, you know, like they actually listened to, or some of them, you know, I, I feel like it might, I'm trying to think specifically who, but they are, you know, they're so tight as a band and as friends and brothers, obviously, that they sometimes listen to a lot of the same music and then, and then they branch off into different directions. But there was a lot, there was some talk about like film music and soundtracks and stuff like that and film composers and stuff like that which i loved i thought that's really cool because that felt that got me excited to work with them because you know i don't know i feel like with my background i love you know i mean it's not so much that i have a film scoring background but i have a jazz background and i feel like there's something similar about film music and how it's sort sure. of through composed and and jazz music and classical music and stuff like that stuff that i grew up you know kind of studying so um and then a lot of world music i mean or music from around the world you know i mean like african music and stuff like that i mean it wasn't like you know we've been listening to led zeppelin 2 for the last three years you know it was it was sure. not that you know it was it was the opposite of that that's they were and then as i got to know them more i realized how much music that they know you know and a lot of really obscure things from the 60s and 70s some current stuff and also you know a lot, a lot of 60s stuff and um, you know, I definitely know there's a lot of Crosby, Stills and Nash. I feel like they probably listen a lot to that and some of this, you know, some of their, their side projects with just the two of them or three of them and stuff like that. So, um, I felt like there was a lot of that, you know, we would sort of talk about and, and find in common because I, I love that too. So, um, yeah, but I was really struck by the sort of the world music and the film music side of where they were coming from. And I thought that was really interesting and, that made me feel like, oh, they're deeper than, than what some people might think, you know, like from their first, first stuff that came out, you know, they're, they're I mean, they're deep, you know, they, they go into these obscure places and find these really obscure songs that stuff I've never heard, you know, and I'm much older than them, you know, so <laughs> I was impressed, you know, you know, and as a producer, it gives you a, uh probably a, a wider comfort zone in terms of what you're presenting without having like the feeling of maybe, you know, you might push too far or get pushed back on ideas. And yeah. And I feel like through the course of the record, I'm not, I hope I'm not jumping ahead here, but it's just that I would notice that with, um, especially with Sam, you know, and like, he's the keyboard player and he was just really getting into the Mellotron and stuff like that. And, and how you could really orchestrate with that. And, 
kind of find these different melodies and orchestral sounds. And so this whole orchestral element to the band was something we really explored. And, and I kind of let say, I mean, I could, I love doing that, but I'm, you know, a lot of this album, probably the best part of thing that I did is probably stayed out of the way, you know, <laughs> I think mean, at times, you know, cause I think you just have to let them do their thing. Cause they're, they're, you know, they're great and it's working, whatever they're doing. So, but Sam was really, exploring that. And I thought that was really cool. He was just different orchestral elements, but with the Mellotron, you know, and I thought that was, that was awesome. Where did you guys track this record? Um, it was mostly at Henson um, studios, you know, which is the old A&M studios. And that's uh, in D we did a lot of it in D I think we did a little bit in a, and we did the very end of my studio, just a couple things, but um, I would say the majority was in D, you know, it's just a great, room great drum room you know i love that i love that space and and was it tracked primarily live you know in a in the traditional sense of cutting basics and doing overdubs yeah i mean they're kind of like um you know i mean a typical thing would be you know some of the songs on the record they had been playing live already so they really knew them but they would we would kind of ease into the session you know and people would start arriving and they'd be kind of hanging out and doing their thing. And then as they started to kind of pick up instruments, they would um, start to rehearse and play through the song. And that would go for a while. They would just sort of get comfortable. And and then we'd start to press record, you know, and they'd be doing it live mostly, you know, and it was like, um, you know, it, it would basically get a live take, you know, because they can, you know, because there's when Sam is playing bass, it's just the, you know, you have the bass guitar and drums. And, and most of the time, maybe Josh would be singing a scratch or something like that. And then we would go back and redo the vocals, you know, a, a lot of the time, but a lot of it was live, you know, and then with overdubs and stuff like that, or maybe replacing something if it just didn't feel like the sound was right or something like that, like a guitar tone. But yeah, they were, you know, they would, they were a live band, you know, that, which I really enjoyed, you know, watching them and seeing them do that because they play so well together and they've, you know, they're just, they're tight, you know, they've been doing it yeah. for a while. So it was great. It must have been fun to make a record so rooted in such a classic sound and style. It's not always the case that you get to do something like that these days. Yeah, it's, that's very true. You know, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy, you know, and I can't say I've done it a lot. I mean, I was in bands and stuff like that. And, we you know, we made, you know, records and stuff like that in a, a long, long time ago. But um, to be producing a band i mean yeah like you said foo fighters and and this and that's probably these are the only bands i've really ever recorded i mean i worked with paul mccartney and there was some live stuff too so i guess you could say that was a band you know as well but um yeah and it was it was very it was great you know just to kind of do an old school you know just just the way that bands used to do it and it's, it's great you just mentioned that you're you're you just sort of stayed out of the way and let them do their thing. But, you know, going into it, what was your approach and, and really what was your role? Um, well, at the beginning I was, you know, I mean, because I probably 98% of the things that I produce are, it's me like one-on-one, -on -one, it's me and a singer or something like that. So I'm, you know, I'm running logic. I'm playing all the instruments usually and writing in the room. And we're just, it's kind of the two of us in the room and I'm engineering and stuff like that. And, you know, just everything's in the box mostly. Well, except for things are going, not everything's in the box, but you know, mostly with EQs and compressors and stuff like that. I'm kind of mixing and producing at the same time, but this is a total different 
situation, you know, with, and the same with the food fighters as well. I've, I've, I've just leave the engineering to, you know, Alex Pasco who did it and, and Julian Berg and Matt Tuggle, you know, my engineers who I work with, they did most of the technical engineering stuff. And so I was kind of like producer guy. I was like, just seeing like, okay, what are just trying to figure out every day, you know, what, what is the goal here? What are we doing? Okay. We're doing this song. So what do they need from me? You know, I'm there to capture it really, you know, I'm sort of not trying to, at the beginning, I might've stepped in there and a bit, a little bit more hands-on in the room with them. I think there was times they were rehearsing and I would kind of play bass when Sam was playing keyboards. And that was really fun. Cause I felt like I was part of Greta Van Fleet for like a minute, but, um, <laughs> but most of the time it's kind of like, I'm finding ways to just help them capture what they want to do, you know, and, and I'm yeah. there with the suggestion. If I feel like, well, maybe this is this, could this section be edited or something like that, you know, and they would come to me with specific things or maybe harmonically, you know, if, uh, you know, if maybe Jake was taking a guitar solo and had a couple of note choices I'm, and maybe I might chime in and be like, well, that note kind of fits with that chord. So maybe you want to do that note, you know, stuff like that. And, I was just kind of there and just watching and listening and just kind of seeing what they were doing. And towards the middle to the end, they're, they're really self-sufficient in a way. They're just kind of there. And I'm just on one side of the glass and we're just kind of watching those guys kind of work it out. And, you know, sometimes they're just sort of jamming. Sometimes it's Sam on the piano and Josh is kind of warming up his voice or they're kind of working out the song that they're, you know, kind of finishing the writing. So in that case, I'm just sort of listening. And then, you know, my brain is kind of working, like trying to figure out what's happening here. And then once I sort of get an idea what's happening, then I'm working with the engineers trying to capture it and get it sounding as best we can. You know, I, you know, you want to be ready for the moment when they get that take. So I'm just hoping that, you know, we get it, we're getting our sounds right. You know, I don't want to have to redo something. So that's kind of what we're doing and and then another role of mine too is once we would sort of get the basic tracking done, the overdub thing is when we got kind of freaky and that's when I start, you know, getting the space echo out and let's like do some like space echo feedback, put it backwards. Or there was a lot of, um, you know, with Jake, you know, we're, we both love Hendrix. And so there was a thought, you know, we're just trying to achieve that sort of where the guitar is kind of swimming around your head, you know, effect and at times. And so sometimes it would be like, you know, we would have the guitar going through a space echo and I would kind of, you know, mess with the the speed of the, you know, of the delay. And it kind of gets a little warble and stuff like that. And we pan that to one side and then try to do little panning things and just trying to have fun with that stuff, you know, and you know, in that overdub phase is when it was, you know, interesting for me to try to figure out how to help. And then also string arranging, you know, I got into that and, you know, just trying to make it cinematic like they wanted to, you know, and uh, and that was sort of the goal.
You've worked with so many different types of artists of all genres. You mentioned pop. I know you're, you know, you've played a lot of jazz. You know, how are you getting to the core or essence of each individual artist or band to get the best out of them when you're making a record? Um, I'm, you know, it's a lot of listening on um, to what, you know, to what I, what they want to do. And, you know, I think, um, that's kind of my goal, you know, I mean, you know, when I'm working with someone, you know, there's, there's usually a conversation or I'm just, or if we're not talking about it, I'm just feeling out or listening in the room and kind of hearing where they're going, if they're singing or they're playing something or sometimes we have conversations about it, you know, but I, am you know, I just want to try to, um, bring out whatever the vision of the artist is really, you know, I mean, I think, I don't really think there's a lot of situations when I'm really, um, I mean, on some level I'm steering it and guiding it. If I'm writing or something like that with someone, I'm sort of, you know, adding my, what I'm into or, you know, whatever. But, you know, when it's, when it's a band like Greta Van Fleet, I think I'm just, you know, they're, they're very clear about their vision. I feel like they know what they want to do. And in, in those situations, when someone comes in and they really know what they want to do, I like, I want to, I have to trust them instead of sort of fight them on it or something like that, you know? Um, and I think that's what, you know, where my strength is, is just kind of, you know, sort of reacting in a way, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm starting, if I'm writing or something like that, I might be initiating an idea and a direction or something like that. But I really like listening and reacting. And then from that point, then maybe I will sort of take the initiative, you know, once I, you know, once I have an idea of like where it's going. So, but it's listening is just the key thing for me, you know, whether it's, I'm playing with someone and listening to where they're going because I just find it more interesting. Their ideas in a way are more interesting than what I might come into the studio. If I have like some sort of idea and I'm coming in the studio, most of the time it's like, I like hearing what someone else has to offer. And then I sort of run with that. And then it gives me ideas. It's like jazz improvisation or something like that. You know, when you're hearing, you're playing your solo and the bass player gives you a little something. And then that just sets you off and running with, you know, something you never would have thought that you would. And I think production is very similar, you know, the improvisational element of it and being in the moment. It's scary because you don't really have a formula or you're not planning anything, you know, when you're going to the studio. Cause I don't know what's going to happen when I go in the studio. Yeah, sure. I don't really have it like today we're going to do this, you know? And so yeah. with Greta Van Fleet, I think they came in very clear about what they wanted to do, you know, as a lot of artists who know who they are, you know, but sometimes if they don't, then it's up, it's on me to try to help them with that. And that's fine too. I mean, I almost feel like to be an active listener, but not be constantly contributing or, or actually working, tracking and engineering and writing, like you were talking about, you do with so many of the solo artists you work with. It's almost more challenging because you, you're having to be engaged passively in the event that something does come up and there is a stumble or a roadblock where somebody is looking to you for direction. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of patience. I mean, you know, sometimes you just have to do nothing and, you know, nothing could happen in the studio for a couple hours and that's okay too, you know, because it's just the time is not right and no one's feeling creative at the moment. So you could just kind of hang out and chat and just, you know, talk about other things. And then when it comes time again, then you're kind of refreshed and, you can go in there and work on things, but 
Yeah, but you were talking about, yeah, it's, it's different, you know, because when I'm working with a solo artist, then I'm having to be more technical. And and for me, like, you know, Logic is kind of an instrument, you know, when I'm running Logic. I mean, we did this in Pro Tools, the the Greta Van Fleet record, but yeah, it's, an, it's a totally different thing, you know, when I'm when I'm just not in that technical side and having to sort of run the computer and, and write at the same time. And, and with something like this, which there's so many inputs happening at once and stuff like that, it's like, I wouldn't want to be right. dealing with that and producing. It's just too much, you know, and yeah. it's just a lot to think about in the file management and stuff like that. So I was really happy to not be doing sure. being on the technical side, but, you know, kind of, getting into i would listen and chime in about sounds and stuff like that and you know drum sound was something that i really was where i had a vision on what i wanted to sound like and you know i think that's something i was very clear and so trying to get that at the very beginning once we established that it was you know that's kind of what we stuck to and then we kind of couple towards the end we thought well let's change it up but there is kind of a general drum sound i think that we stuck to on this album, you know, and depending on how it was mixed, I guess, then it would sort of bring out different elements of it. But yeah. yeah. And Danny is such a great drum tuner, but but great drummer, but also great drum tuner actually. He's like, I have to say that about, you know, Daniel, cause he's like, um, he's got, I think he's got perfect pitch and he just really, you know, he's, he's very good at that. That was really, that made life easy. I imagine that, because they're all brothers for the most, you know, except for Danny, um, they have something special, uh, communication wise. I mean, there's been a few projects that I've, you know, been party to with, you know, a group of sisters or something. And I've always found that they, they had something that was sort of beyond the normal crew in terms of this communication or the way they harmonize together or the way that they, interpreted music or played as a band i thought that the, the how the pieces fit together in terms of the groove i couldn't explain it but it's definitely something to it you know yeah for sure yeah there's a csp that happens and it's really it's really cool to watch you know and yeah i mean there's so many in history just like amazing you know like the kinks or like you know just like so many special bands that like are you know comprised of brothers and it's like it's it's great to watch that and with them it's um it's fun because there's also this like sort of pushing that goes on between each other like they're pushing each other to be good you know and i love that drive like there's a drive in the band internally and i that's really makes it easy for me because then i don't have to motivate anybody it's like the, it's the motivation is completely there so i'm like uh and watching them push each other and and like sometimes challenge each other to the, you know, like just seeing Sam, you know, push Jake and Jake push Josh and and Josh pushing Jake and, you know, just like when they're each tracking their thing, you know, and it's really, it's, it's really cool. I, I think it's a very positive thing, you know, because it just makes them better, you know, and they're really, you know, I think they're, they want to be great, you know, and, uh, and I feel like that's why it's working, you know, with them. Yeah, and you can't quit the band if you know it's your brothers. I mean, you you can quit the band, but you're you know you're still in. So it makes it makes it hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, before we go, I mean, I would just love to hear um, what some of your favorites from a production standpoint, or just as a fan, are uh, on the record. It's I mean, I, it's a long record. It's got twelve tracks on it. Some of them are you know classic rock length. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's also fun because, you know, that's probably something you don't get to do very often either. Turn in a eight minute Adele song. Yeah, I know. Well, funny enough, actually, some of the Adele songs, you know, like I think Hello is pretty long, but I think, um, yeah, it's uh, exactly. I'm sure the label, you know, would have loved me to edit in some places, but but then I really feel like it wasn't necessary. And I think it's it, what's happening now is you're seeing that these songs are really. I feel like they're doing well and in, in, in the state that they're in. These long, you know, I actually went to go see them last night. They played at the Greek and. I was like watching their fans and it was like mind blowing because everyone knew every word and it was like just the range of age. And it was cool. There was like, you know, guys like me and there was like young, you know, kids and they were just singing every word. It was cool. So, you know, I think it's really working what they're doing and, you know, I'm just happy that I didn't, you know, mess that up, you know, by trying to shorten something and, you know, so, um, but yeah, as far as the songs, you know, I mean, well, Heat Above is the one song I love, and they've been playing that for a long time. I think that's one they just knew, and I just am so um, amazed. It, it's fun to watch, like Sam playing like the foot, you know, the the foot pedals and playing organ, and then you know, like just like that classic kind of like, yeah, you know, rhythm section trio with you know foot, you know, an organ and the and he's the foot pedals, and then you got you know Jake doing his thing on guitar, but it just sounds so big and. It's cool that, you know, and that's how they track it. You know, it's like Sam, you know, I mean, there was times I was like thinking like, you know, Sam, you could play that with your hands if you want. You don't have to use the foot pedals in the studio, but he like always 100% would use the foot pedals, you know, because it has a thing and he's really good at it. You know, it's not easy. I, I mean, it's, it's hard to do that. So, um, but <clears throat> just as a song, you know, Heat Above, I love it. I love the intro. That was kind of a, I feel like that was something that was developed in the studio, you know, just that way that the organ swells in and and builds up and I love that and Danny's fell into that song. It's just, you know, iconic. It's great, you know. I think. Uh, um, well, another one, "Light My Love" too. That was the very first song that we did together. That was like my audition song. I feel like that was they were checking me out and you know, so seeing if like, you know, making sure it's gonna work, you know. So I was really like, I was like, I want to. I'm gonna make this so cinematic. They're just gonna, you know, they're just gonna right. lose it. It's just gonna <laughs> be like, you know. So <laughs> I was like really trying to like put it on. So. 
and I don't know that song now too has like gotten a lot of attention. I mean, it's it's which is great. I love that song. Um, so yeah, the strings are, I think, um, add a nice thing. It's something that we kind of didn't purposely didn't turn up too much at the beginning. It was very loud and. I think they made it clear, like, we want the strings or kind of more of a supportive thing. Like, it's not really, you know, just kind of to support the guitar parts and stuff like that. And that's kind of what I did arranging wise with the strings was wasn't about adding new melodies and new parts. It was just kind of like, what can I underline with a Sharpie? It's like, oh, that guitar part's cool. Let's orchestrate that and just double it with strings. So there was that was sort of the approach with arranging, you know, is like just bring out the elements that are there without adding too many new too much new information really you know yeah being reactive like that to to what they do as a band is that's just kind of generally my production approach i think is just kind of it's i like to come from a more supportive rather than like you know my just you know having my being noticed in a way like oh you know we're i'm doing like a little producer attack at the beginning you know like this is a great person production it's like i really like stay out of the way and just try to I just get the most enjoyment out of like trying to support you know what they're doing and let them shine A couple of standouts for me, you know, uh, I love the drum sound on Built by Nations and, and obviously the, the riff of that, that tune is sort of, mm-hmm. it leans a little bit more to some of their earlier stuff. epic sort of I feel like they definitely hear the reverb on the drums and it's just kind of like this epic sort of in the way that it comes in and and you know and you know sort of builds the, the intro to that how it sort of fades in in a way you know it's just it's yeah. it's great yeah that's it's amazing how some of those ones you know those sort of long epic songs at the time you know I mean I feel this responsibility as a producer you know you know you're being hired by a label you know sometimes and you're thinking like oh man you know are they expecting me to you know you know you know provide this two and a half minute little pop ditty you know and we're just doing these long epic songs but i was like loving these long epic things and i you know we just stuck with it we're like i feel like this is gonna work you know just and that's what they want they didn't even for a minute i think second guess it you know 
but I'm always in that position of kind of this in the, in the middle sometimes, you know, and like they're maybe secretly hoping I will have this agenda, you know, this agenda and do something, but I wasn't going to do it. I'm like, this is just too cool. You, you know, this is what I would want to listen to. So that's all I can do. You know? I think ultimately what I appreciate most about the record is that, you know, in the world of TikTok and these 30 seconds and less, you know, little bits of videos and songs, that somebody still has the patience and desire to put something out that takes some time and expects the listener to engage. And mm -hmm. I love the convenience of digital music and Spotify and all that stuff, but I, I still really appreciate sitting down and listening to a record start to finish. And, and that's what you guys have put out there. And I it, thank you for that. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm really, you know, happy to, you know, that music like this exists, you know, that it's like these, you know, an al like, you know, an album like this exists where it's like, you know, body of work that all fits together and it's like not, you know just these kind of pieced together little songs you know i do plenty of those and i love those too you know i love a good pop song but this is really satisfying you know and and sometimes you just you know that's what you need and now i'm like this you just want to put it on and it's just like takes you on this journey and it's like these extended sort of like cinematic yeah sounds and it's it's really cool that these you know young guys are doing it you know it's amazing that's perfect let's call it <laughs> All right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'll, uh, we'll see you on the next one. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Find us online at tapeop.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time. <laughs>